Welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Futures Report. It's Friday the 11th of October and I'm Anthony Day. As you can hear, this week marks the start of the International Rebellion led by Extinction Rebellion and I bring you my impressions of the first day in London, including an explanation of a citizens' assembly and interviews with a lady dressed as a rubbish heap, protesters on Millbank and at Lambeth Bridge. What does Section 14 mean to demonstrators? Why is Extinction Rebellion disrupting cities around the world? Greta Thunberg? Love her or hate her? Who are the uncooperative crusties in hemp-smelling bivouacs? Oh, and I didn't speak to Julia Hartley Brewer this week. It's worth staying on to the end of the episode, as I'll be playing out with a selection of the Yorkshire Remain Voice Choir's greatest hits. Yes, the International Rebellion started on the 7th of October with demonstrations in London, Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin, Madrid, New York, Toronto, Melbourne, Wellington, Rome, Los Cabos, Vienna, Buenos Aires, in Sri Lanka and in other cities all over the world. It's planned to disrupt those cities for two weeks, until the 19th of October. It's a situation which is changing all the time, so by the time you hear this, things will be very different. In London, for example, police have just stepped up the pressure on demonstrators by issuing a Section 14 order. Section 14 of the Public Order Act allows the police to impose conditions on a public procession or assembly if the police reasonably believe that it may result in serious public disorder, serious damage to property, serious disruption to the life of the community, or the purpose of those organising it is the intimidation of others. The present order requires demonstrators to leave the points around Westminster where they have set up their obstructions and move to the pedestrianised area of Trafalgar Square. If they do go there, I believe that, as I write this on Wednesday morning, they will be addressed by Stanley Johnson, father of the present Prime Minister. If they don't move on and they defy the order, they face arrest with a fine of up to £1,000. Organisers face a fine of up to 2500 and up to three months in prison. Even so, it appears that some rebels are staying put. According to legislation.gov.uk, it is a defence for a person to prove that their failure to comply with the order arose from circumstances beyond their control. It'll be interesting to see how that might be used in court. It appears that the government have now ordered the police to seize tents and equipment that the rebels have brought with them. This follows a pre-emptive raid last weekend when police seized tents, food, first aid kits, disabled toilets and other equipment and arrested nine people for conspiracy. The Metropolitan Police has come under severe criticism for its handling of Operation Midland, a totally unconnected investigation, which cost millions and was not only unsuccessful, but involved alleged misconduct by certain officers. It was also criticised for its handling of the Extinction Rebellion protest at Easter. So, for both of these reasons, it'll be anxious to restore its reputation by taking firm and effective action in the present case. Arrests are reportedly up to 600 by now, the middle of day three, which puts pressure on resources. There are only so many cells in London police stations and arresting officers must accompany those whom they arrested to the station. 
So while they're doing that, they cannot be on the streets. The Prime Minister turned to abuse when talking about the protest, labelling rebels as uncooperative crusties in hemp-smelling bivouacs. Of course, you'll hear from my interviews that that is far from the truth. But when you cannot dispute the facts, it's an age-old tactic to attack the messenger. He went on to suggest that they should read Margaret Thatcher's biography and learn that she was warning about climate change long before Greta Thunberg was born. Yes, but warnings are not enough. Where are the actions, Boris? Or don't you believe that Mrs Thatcher was right? And talking of Greta Thunberg, why are so many people criticising her? She happens to be a particularly persistent 16-year-old whose message is to take notice of the science. Please don't criticise her for not having solutions. You'd hardly credit them if she had. She's pointing the finger directly at governments. It's their responsibility to assess the risk, assess the science, and do what's necessary to keep us all safe. Why is Extinction Rebellion carrying out its present action? As I've mentioned before, it has three demands. Tell the truth. Government must tell the truth by declaring a climate and ecological emergency, working with other institutions to communicate the urgency for change. Act now. Government must act now to halt biodiversity loss and reduce greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2025. Beyond politics, government must create and be led by the decisions of a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice. What exactly is a citizens' assembly? As I walked from Trafalgar Square down to the Cenotaph on Monday morning, I met two people who were eager to explain. Okay, so um, citizen, asking for citizens' assembly, can you hear me? Asking for citizens' assembly is um, essentially Extinction Rebellion's third demand. Yeah. Um, and basically it's saying that uh, we want an opportunity for ordinary people to understand and deliberate on what's happening with the climate emergency and then to make recommendations after hearing all of the facts to essentially government. So it's a way of basically giving cover to politicians who may have many conflicting uh, views and conflicting kind of like responsibilities. Okay, but how would you select the membership of the Citizens' Assembly? Yeah, well it's been done in other countries by a random process, a bit like jury service, and uh, essentially sortition, so you allow different um, uh, ethnicities and age and gender and educating background etc. Um, and so you make a representative population uh, in, uh, to represent. So for example in Oxford City Council we've just done one, we're in the process of doing that. We have uh, 40 citizens um, and they're representative of Oxford. Oh yes, here we go. Hi. Thank you. Um, and uh, so that started and so that's how you do it. You kind of like make up your percentages for your different uh, groups within the population. Right and are their conclusions advisory or binding? That's a really good point. It's actually. advisory. In Oxford it's advisory, but what we're, we're saying that it should be binding. So that's what XR are pushing for. And in Poland, for example, if it gets 80% majority voting by the Citizens' Assembly, then it is binding. Right. Now, how many people would there be in a Citizens' Assembly? There's, 50, there's 44 in Oxford. Um, which is just happening at the moment around the climate emergency. But then we had a national one. So in Dublin, I think they were at, is it 100 in Dublin? Yeah, I think yeah, so. So in Dublin, they used this kind of process for debating abortion and climate change yes. and uh, same-sex marriage. Um, and I think they had 100. Uh, and they did it over, I think, five months period, five weekends over five months. Um, and so, um, and then the recommendations for that were binding. So. 
but wouldn't people say that if the election of Boris Johnson was rejected as undemocratic as only 90,000 people voted, how can 100 people be binding? Well, because the 100 people would be representative of the general population. So you have to be picking your uh, people very carefully. So they're random, but they are actually uh, go through a process called sortition. So they're randomly selected, but still representative of the population. So I don't think that the people that voted for Boris Johnson were representative of the population. I just saw four people who were glued to the road and glued to each other. They were not prepared to be interviewed, but they said that they'd been there for a few minutes and they would stay there as long as it takes. And uh, let's hope the rain doesn't get too heavy. They're just sitting there, the policemen are standing and watching them. As I passed on, past Parliament Square, I came across something which looked like a heap of plastic rubbish. It wasn't. You, you're clearly focusing on litter and pollution. Yeah. I can't walk without seeing it. I can't go into city without smelling it. I can't move without stepping on it. And it's getting to the point where production has to stop and things just have to change. But the people up top, it's cheaper for them to just keep making. Yeah. Rubbish. Yeah. Have you come very far today? I came from up north Leeds. Leeds, oh, I come from York. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, I do York, I go to uni there. Today, here we are sitting in Millbank. You're sitting, I'm, I'm not actually sitting. <laughs> but uh, why are you sitting in the middle of the road and blocking Millbank? Well, that's the autumn uprising. And uh, this well, is yes. because basically since uh, April, well, Extinction Rebellion has been massively successful in moving the conversation on. People really are cottoning on to the, the, the magnitude of the threat that faces us as a civilization. But the politicians are not. They're not responding anything like as, as urgently as they need to be. So we're sitting here in Westminster, right in where the politicians work, and trying to take the message straight to them that what they're doing is not sufficient. It is not going to help. It's not going to save us. Okay. Uh, how long are you going to be here for? Oh, who can say? Hopefully, well, the plan is for two weeks. Yes, uh, you personally? Me personally? Weeks? Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. You know, it's uh, we, we want to be careful. You know, we don't want to, don't want to exhaust ourselves. So you know, I'll be. We've got a lot of people. We got uh, should be, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands of people coming down. So we've got to, we all do a manageable amount. You know, there aren't really tens of thousands here at the moment. I don't know whether the uh, XR has overstretched itself by having 11 different sites around the place. Yeah, I mean, I. I've not uh, been able to travel around and see what's going on. I've got a very limited idea. I know that uh, that we've taken Lambeth Bridge and the Palm and Westminster and Bridge, Westminster. but Westminster Bridge is closed for construction, as far as I can see. Okay, that's an easy win there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll have that. Thank you very much. There's a lot of ambient noise, but that all improves the atmosphere. So, have you come down today? Uh, last night, but yes. And where have you come from? From York. From York. And I, I really admire your hat. You've got the sun. You've got the um, wind turbine. And what's, what's this bird on the it's side a bird. of your hat? A bullfinch. A bullfinch. Trying yes. to run on wind and sun. Well, that's uh, so. Is that what you believe is, is um, one of the solutions to the 
problem? Um, renewables certainly play a big role, um, reducing consumption in the first place and energy use. Um, and um, I'm here because being human, um, it's team effort, being human. And uh, the government is trying to divide us, if anything. It's uh, hoping that individuals will take action, but actually we really need everyone to pull together and to help protect the future of humanity and try and safeguard the planet for other species as well as other people. And you're here for the long term? Sadly, I can only stay two days, but I'll be here in spirit. and I met this lady. So you've just rolled up and you've donated food to a number of the people here? Um, yeah, so uh, so I'm in Extinction Rebellion Sheffield um, and uh, I came to the protest last year, uh, earlier this year, so it feels like before and after yeah. <laughs> April, uh, in April um, yes. and we, uh, we were in Parliament Square, we held Parliament Square and the response to that was just like overwhelming. Um, the change in discourse in the media, the change in discourse in Parliament. Um, it really felt like we'd done something. Um, how, does, how does the turnout today compare? To the first day in Parliament Square, uh, it's better. Parliament Square was pretty pretty grim day one. It was pretty, it was pretty upsetting. Police response is much heavier, um, which is interesting, but I guess to be expected. Yes. Um, did you get arrested that time? I did, yeah. Right, yeah. and you're prepared to get arrested again? Um, potentially. It's fairly meaningless, the idea of arrest compared to the sort of the catastrophe yes, <laughs> that yes, we're yes. facing. And so, are you here for the whole two weeks? I'm here for a week. I've got a full-time job, so it's, yeah. that's as long as I can get off work, yeah. <laughs> essentially, so yeah. Um. Some people have decided, after being spoken to by the police, to get up and leave the middle of the street, but at least one person has now just been arrested and taken away to a van. The police are talking to other people who are still sitting in the middle of the street. It's another arrest. It's just being dragged off to the police van. And other people have come in to take the place of the person arrested. Two people have brought folding chairs. They've decided to sit on them in the road. Everybody is now sitting on the road. The idea, the tactic is that there'll be so many of us sitting on the road, it'll confuse the police. Um, and uh, we certainly outnumber them. I moved on to Lambeth Bridge, which was completely blocked. There were lots of people there and they were putting up tents. And then all of a sudden they were putting up a wooden framed structure, which the police weren't very keen on at all. But then suddenly somebody climbed up on it and so it really couldn't be moved again. Here I recorded my final interview of the day. The reason I want to talk to you is you've got um, an accent which is not an English accent, is that right? No. No, no I lived in Australia for a while but I am from Western Supermare. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Okay, but you still think it's important to be here? Oh, absolutely. It's the most important thing that we could be doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I've made that choice. My right. children understand, my husband understands. 
quite supported by my community. Myself and about a thousand people have been working to make this happen and the time I could give was more then at home and so I can only give limited time here because of my family. Yeah. But it really, really counts more than anything. Yes. Now, have you lived in Australia? Have you got any contacts left in Australia? I do have some. I believe it's all happening there as well. I know do you ever go to Australia? No, I don't, I don't imagine I'll ever be able to go back now. Sadly. But that's why we've got the internet. That's why we can have Zoom conferencing. We can do everything we need to through the incredible power of the internet. You can't cuddle your grandchildren. You can't cuddle your grandchildren, that is very true. And that is a very sad reality for people. Yeah. That is a really difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone's telling anyone they can't fly. Everyone just needs to be more mindful about how they spend the precious resources we've got. Absolutely. I wouldn't tell anyone not to go to Australia. Just my personal choice would be, I'll probably talk to my friends over the internet. And that's just a small selection of the 53 recordings that I made during the day. My final image is of a long line of ladies with whited faces and clad in flowing crimson robes who walked slowly in front of the police lines blocking Millbank gazing silently into the eyes of each officer. I recalled a chant I heard earlier. Police, we love you. We're doing this for your children. Police, we love you. We're doing this for your children. I went home and left others to look after my future. And finally, I didn't talk to Julia Hartley Brewer about the XR protest today. They did ring me at 8.10 and invited me on at 8.18, but I decided against it. The man they did get on from Animal Rebellion did pretty well against her constant criticism. Her pattern of attack is becoming predictable. I need to prepare for it next time. She then spoke to someone who told her that everyone associated with XR was in a cult with the aim of turning us back to a Stone Age civilization. Yes, that's right. If you can't refute the facts, just misrepresent and demonise the messenger. It can all be very depressing, and indeed, XR has grief counsellors for those who find it all too much. Of course, people may say that Extinction Rebellion is willfully overstating the case, but as I said many times before, there's a crucial balance between overstating the case and understating it to the extent of complacency. The same message may have opposite effects on two different people. Personally, I believe we need to take action. That may involve an implementation plan which could cover 20 or 30 years, but once we have that plan, we have a framework to help people see where we're going and why we need to get there. I think a citizens' assembly could be a valuable way of establishing the credibility of such a plan. Whether its recommendations should be advisory or mandatory, well, maybe mandatory, because governments have a sad track record of ignoring experts. That's enough for today. There won't be another Sustainable Futures report next Friday, as I'll be travelling. You did get an extra one in September. I'm Anthony Day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a patron. Do come back on the 24th of October for the next edition. And now... As promised, and on a completely different note, here is the Yorkshire Remain Voice Choir. Till next time. Oh,